0: Your high school, Parker High School, originally known as Negro High School, Um, was your high school segregated during this time? may 2nd and may 3rd the sclc held two demonstrations what was the demonstrations supposed to accomplish feeling like a victory, MLK held the March on Washington. This was supposedly to make segregation official. Is that what the March on Washington was supposed to accomplish? So 18 days after the march on Washington, schools are now segregated. So there is some light. This brings us to September 15th. It's Sunday. What was a typical Sunday like in your home? Can you break down the events of that morning? Once you get home and everyone is safe, What do you guys do for the rest of the day, as far as you remember? It's Monday morning, and you have to go to school. What is the reaction from the faculty and staff, and what is also the reaction of the students when you arrive at school the next day? I also know Carol Robinson was supposed to perform that night. How did the school respond to her loss in that performance? Or was there a performance at all? I know also that Cynthia Wesley was your best friend. What could you tell us about Cynthia and the other girls? How were you guys connected? That also, we want to take the time to celebrate these girls because their loss is not a loss, but their loss is also a victory. Now, I know that sounds strange, guys who are listening, but this is not a loss, this is a triumphant win because the monsters who committed that cowardice act on September 15th, 1963. They thought that they had a victory that morning, but no, those girls, they have the victory for eternity. They have the victory for the rest of their lives. They are the champions. They are the ones we celebrate this day and they're the ones who we celebrate every September 15th to remember them in their name. They are the ones who have international fame now these girls are preaching from heaven and they're giving us their sermon every September 15th. And every time you visit 16th Street Baptist Church, you're getting a sermon from those girls. Every time you walk across the street to the monument, you're getting a sermon a sermon from those girls. Every time you hear their names, Carol, Denise, Cynthia and Addie, you're getting a sermon. Every time you're being reintroduced to these girls, they live on. They have have not died, guys. They are gone in a physical form, but they're here with us in a spiritual form. Yes, they are. They are here with us in a spiritual form. They are not gone. They are here. They are present. They are with us. Guys, the, the anger that comes along with knowing this story, understanding this story, and researching this story, the frustration, the stress the aggravation that I feel and that I have when I listen to this story. I'm left in shock, I'm left in disbelief, and I'm left appalled. So in the years after the bombing, how were you able to cope with society? As we talk about peace, and as we communicate about the understanding of peace, and as we know peace be still, and as we look for peace and as our journey on peace, and this is what the March on Washington was also supposed to present to us was peaceful, a peaceful process even on D-Day and Double D-Day. This was all about peace. So as we talk about peace, did you find peace with the convictions of Chamberless in 77, Cassius passing, and the conviction of the remaining two men by 2004? Now I also know you were at the trial of Frank Cherry in 2002. With that trial and with everything that turned out to happen, did you officially find peace after all of this? a love that forgives yes a love that forgives was the sermon that was supposed to be preached that morning I want to go on to say I'm a father and I have a daughter that's 12 years old one year older than Denise Nair. And two years younger than Cynthia, Addie, and Carol. And two years younger than yourself. If my daughter was any of the four girls that was killed, I would be pissed, I would be angered, and I would be out for revenge. I wouldn't know how to find peace and comfort and the understanding that my daughter was killed in such a way that's very disturbing and that's very upsetting. I wouldn't know how to deal with that. Even as far as the gentleman saying that they didn't mean for the bomb to go off the time it was supposed to, it was a homemade bomb. Uh it was supposed to go off two o'clock in the morning before the church service start started as we as as you mentioned and as we, we talked about they didn't know that this bomb was gonna go off when the bomb went off at 1022 but guys as we dig deeper and as we understand this we have to understand that there were calls made into the office if you could share the, the elderly woman's name with the audience. She received calls in the office that day. Calls that were threats about bomb, bombing the church. When Carol uh, mentioned that she was going upstairs and got that cell phone call, the caller said three minutes which means, as we mentioned, that those guys were waiting around somewhere, either two blocks away, a block away, three blocks away, somewhere where they could see and hear that bomb go off. So if you knew the bomb didn't go off the time that it was supposed to go off, why not walk back around there, get that bomb, and then walk off and go do something that was better instead of something that was negative something that took the lives of four innocent girls because you wanted to prove a point about desegregating so the, the uh, how you say the saying that they didn't know that that bomb was going to go off is defeated by the fact that the bomb did go off and the fact that they did make another call And then it went off 15 seconds after the time that they said. So, even with the statement that they didn't know, even with the statement that they they were indirectly, I guess trying to say, they are feeling bad about what was done, it was still done. And this anger would carry on with me until my last day And I would be so frustrated and so angry at the fact that this is taking place that I wouldn't be able to sit in a room with those guys. I wouldn't be able to sit around those guys. I wouldn't be able to even be around them because I would be so angry that I know that I would do something and I know that I would come out of my character and I know I wouldn't be in God's good graces on that day. So, When we talk about forgiveness, and in the Christian belief system, we try to practice forgiveness. How do you take on the mantle of forgiving people for the atrocity that you experienced? There was a book that you read that contained different prayers. And in this book, you mentioned that you had different prayers that would get you through these times and different prayers that guided you through such a dark moment. Is it possible for you to close out with one of those prayers and send us off in a great way, in a beautiful way, in a wonderful way, in a way that we understand we started in the dark. We walked through the tunnel. The tunnel started to close in on us and started to cave in in on us. And as we felt the walls of that tunnel smothering us and suffocating us, we gradually started to see and walk towards the light at the end of that tunnel. When we sat here and we talked about forgiveness, we touched the edge of the tunnel. We looked out and we saw a new day And as we looked up, we seen the faces of those four girls smiling down on us. And we also seen and felt the presence of the two young men who were lost on that day as well. So guys, as we sit here and we take in this breath of fresh air and we understand that these girls live on, in a victorious and in a humongous way, let us pray. Miss McKinstry, I want to thank you for taking the time to do this interview with me once again. I want to add in this recording, guys, that Miss McKinstry and I had a wonderful conversation and that podcast episode I'm going to load up onto YouTube so you guys can see the video but the video does not have any sound. So, I had to find a way to bring this interview to you in a different way. But, this interview is a very powerful interview because this interview is a lasting statement, guys. And, Miss McKinstry has given us the light, the understanding, the forgiveness, and the peace in which she has found in life. And once again, guys, this is not a tragedy. It's a celebration. When we look at this day We're going to always look at this day and understand that there was a tragedy. But when you look at everything that took place after this day and everything that is going to take place in the future, you see that there's an everlasting victory. Ms. McKinstry, thank you once again for redoing this interview with me and taking time out of your busy schedule to bring back the questions and bring back your passion and bring back your love and dedication in everything that you do. I wish you luck on your journey. I wish you luck in the future and I wish you luck in everything that you try to accomplish. At this moment, if you want to let everyone know how they can get in contact with you, how they can reach out to you, or if they want to, if you have anything coming up, how they can get involved or how they can, you know, um, champion with you as well, can you uh, take this time and let everyone know, you know, how is it possible for them to get involved? thank you once again and guys I'm going to go ahead and close out as I usually do thank you for listening to the Relationship Stuff 101 podcast here on this September 15th, 2021 I'm your host Shaheer Henderson you have been listening to an interview by myself and Carolyn McKinstry who was end of 1963 16th Street Baptist Church bombing. Also, she's an author of a book that I implore you guys to go out and purchase While the World Watched. Miss McKinstry, thank you again. And guys, we will see you in the next podcast. Peace.